Hey, y'all. Welcome to Marty Smith's America. Uh, it is Tuesday, April 27th, and this is an awesome show today with my new friends who are the ownership group of Hot Rod Charlie, who is one of the favorites to win the 147th Kentucky Derby. I'm going to spend Friday night with these guys sipping whiskey at the Rabbit Hole Distillery. And I cannot wait to spend time with them and learn more about their amazing story. Let me give you some of the bullet points of this story. There are five of them. They are former college football players at Brown University. Ivy League educated. Yes, they're smarter than me, and they're sure as hell smarter than Travis. Do you like that, bro? I think they're smarter than us combined. I think you're right. They were in the, they are also, not only were they college football teammates, they were fraternity brothers at Brown. And they wanted a way to stay connected postgraduate. They wanted some sort of arena, some sort of platform that would connect them on a broader scope than simply the text message string that we all have, or, hey, let's all meet up in Baton Rouge and go see Luke Combs play a show. They wanted something more tangible than that. And one of those five football teammates is named Patrick O'Neill. Patrick has an uncle named Doug O'Neill and another uncle named Dennis O'Neill. Anyone who knows anything about horse racing knows those names. You'll learn why once we chat with these guys, because I'm going to ask Pat, how they got into this foray in the horse racing world. A lot of y'all probably heard of Doug's name. Doug's won two Kentucky Derbies as a trainer. Well, while the fellas were at Brown, Pat took some of their beer money, a keg or two, and subscribed to TVG, which is the premier horse racing television network. Those guys do an unbelievable job. And he loves the sport, obviously. I mean, his uncles are so deeply ingrained in it and are legends for that matter. And so all the other guys, just by osmosis, Eric, Dan, Riley, and Alex, all started paying attention to the sport too. And the next thing you know, they're on the doorstep of history. It's an unbelievable story. Five buddies who like to drink cold beer and compete on the football field together and spend time as fraternity brothers in college, six years after graduation, will walk to the starting gate with the horse in which they invested, the horse that they own in the 147th Kentucky Derby. Holy smokes. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the American dream. And now let's ask those guys about this journey about the emotions involved in the journey, how it unfolded, why it happened, and how they feel on the precipice of the 147th run for the roses. Without further ado, here on Marty Smith's America are the owners of Hot Rod Charlie Boat Racing, LLC. All right, so I get up this morning. I'm taking Mia to school and this Photograph shows up in my text message string. It was a gorgeous photograph from Churchill Downs of Hot Rod Charlie. And it is, I cannot wait to get to Churchill and get the Kentucky Derby rolling. And I'm certainly not alone. The gentleman on the line with me 
who are joining us this week on Marty Smith's America. I don't know if there's anybody on the globe who's looking forward to it more than these guys. They are the owners. What is it, four or five of you guys, right? Exactly. We're pumped to be on the phone with you. That's amazing. I love it. All right, it's Boat Racing LLC. I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourselves, and then we'll get into the story. Go. Sounds good. My name is Patrick O'Neill from Honolulu, Hawaii, and I am the nephew of Doug and Dennis O'Neill. Hey, Marty, this is Alex Koiser. I grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. I'm Dan Giovacchini. I'm uh, from, from outside of Boston originally, and, and yeah, we're on cloud 100 this week. And I'm Riley Higgins. I'm from Orange County, California. Thanks so much for uh, having us on the pod. And then finally, Marty, you know, unfortunately, we feel like we might be the only uh, owners of a Kentucky Derby horse that have to, you know, work daily. So our fifth guy is actually uh, working back from our Airbnb this morning. Well, I understand. Uh, that's Eric, right? That is Eric, exactly. All right. So Eric's trying to make the paper. I understand. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. So first, quite simply, for people who are listening and have not heard your story yet, I just... To me, it's the best story going into the Derby, and I, I can't wait to spend time with you guys on Friday night and, and Saturday morning and, and watch this journey with you guys. How did you guys happen, for those that don't know the story yet? The five of us all went to Brown University together. We were class of 2015. We all played on the football team together there, uh, and we joined the same fraternity. So we had – tons of exposure to one another not just the five of us but a group of about 30 and uh so we were very close we saw every side of one another we were playing football together we we're studying together we we're partying together we saw everything and experienced a, a very fun part of our lives in full transparency to one another so the five of us that comprised boat racing all ended up in california after graduating from school and Pat has been close to the industry. He can elaborate on this. His uncle is Dennis O'Neill, who's the bloodstock agent, the scout, if you will, who picks the horses. His other uncle, Doug, is a world-class horse trainer, has won two Kentucky Derbies with Nyquist in 2012, which was our freshman year of college. And I'll have another, sorry, I'll have another in 2012 and Nyquist in 2016. And uh, we spent a little bit of time around the track in California together at Del Mar and Santa Anita. And we kind of just one point in time decided, you know, why don't we get into ownership? Well, what's preventing us from getting into horse racing? So how did you end up in horse racing? Obviously, you know, Pat's be, being Doug's nephew and, and with Doug's amazing career, that had a, a major impact on this. But whose idea was it ultimately to come to the others and go, we need to do this. So Marty, I think as much credit as I get for saying, you know, it must've been myself for saying like, Hey, we need to get into horse racing. I give all the credit in the world to Riley and Dan. So we were at Del Mar one day, certainly having the time in their lives. And, you know, Doug happened to win a, and win a race and, you know, a day at the track, there's nothing like it. Right. And so we all said, you know, these times are fleeting, right? They're not, it's not like college anymore. We're all kind of going on in our careers some of us having significant others and we just looked at each other and said we need to find more time to spend together and kind of continue to cultivate this idea of brotherhood 
And Dan and Riley kind of looked at each other and had this crazy idea at the time, which obviously isn't crazy today, and said, let's use horse racing and this platform and the connections you have through Doug and Dennis to, you know, buy a horse together. And, you know, we're going to do it the right way. Whether we win or lose, we're going to have fun. And so it all happened with the best of intentions. And did we know at the time that it was going to culminate with us potentially having a, you know, third or fourth choice in the 147th Kentucky Derby? Hell no, but we're extremely blessed and uh, we're extremely fortunate and uh, we're definitely on a wild ride and uh, couldn't be more excited. One thing that I can't wait to talk to you guys about on Friday night when we're together sipping whiskey <laughs> is you're the, that's the American dream, right? Like I'm 45 years old and it's still, I, I make up reasons to go see my boys from school. I make up reasons to go see my boys from high school for that matter. And is it a golf trip? Is it, hey, let's go to this event. Let's go see Eric Church or Luke Combs play there, whatever that is. And you guys not only have forged a platform that gives you that sustainability as a friendship group, but damn, how aware are you that you're the American dream? I don't know if we're that aware. I would say uh, we're still pinching ourselves every day. And it's, it's really that, you know, we get to just go have another awesome trip to another amazing city that we haven't been to. And, you know, we do it our way, you know, go eat awesome dinners and, you know, kind of joke around and rag on each other the whole week. And, um, and you know, oh yeah, uh, we happen to be, you know, going to the, the Kentucky Derby this week, you know, so it's like, it's a little bit of like, uh, just all still totally surreal. You sit there and you reflect on it and it's like, hell yeah you know this is like it's why we did it right it's like to have the chance to go compete at the grandest stage on another adventure and you know at one point that was football for us and you know now we've been able to kind of find that through through horse racing and and you know to be able to support pat you know and sort of like his his whole family and, and what they grew up um you know doing living breathing the sport you know it's just like it's just beautiful how does buying a horse work so marty you know think about any NFL team, NBA team, you know, any athletic team, you know, you're only good as good as your athlete, right? So we are fortunate that, you know, Doug certainly is a world-class trainer and has a world-class team at Team O'Neill, but kind of the hidden secret sauce is your bloodstock agent or your scout, and that is Dennis. So Dennis typically goes to all the two-year-old sales, which are typically around the springtime. They're actually right now, and a lot of them are in kind of upper state Florida, and so Dennis goes, watches videos, looks at horses' confirmations, reviews pedigrees, and does a lot of work to find, you know, horses that have value that he feels make sense. Hot Rod Charlie happened to be a half to a champion sprinter in Matoli. And Dennis, which typically doesn't buy one-year-old horses, ended up being at a one-year-old sale and uh, fell in love with this horse. He said he has an amazing mind, which I think Dennis is unique in, and that he loves this idea that horses are more than just what they look like. They're more than just, you know, how fast they are. The mind of a horse is extremely important. And he just fell in love with Hot Rod Charlie. So he uh, asked our group, he asked a couple owners, our co-owners are Bill Strauss and Roadrunner Racing, great people. And, you know, somehow, we were the smart ones who decided to say yes to Hot Rod Charlie, but it could have honestly been anybody, Marty. People that don't understand kind of the intricacies of horse racing, guys, it's so damn hard to just get to May 
like to just get there, they get one chance. A horse, it's their three-year-old year when they get the opportunity to run and compete in the Kentucky Derby. And then it might be a horse that utterly dominates his preliminary racing schedule, dominates. But he might end up scratching because of any number of reasons. So just to get to the gate on Saturday, in the first Saturday in May, is nothing short of miraculous. And I, I just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for y'all. I can't imagine. What was it, what was it like watching Hot Rod Charlie for, first in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile? Like, that must have been outrageously fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we knew we were a bit of a long shot going into the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, our morning line odds were something like 30 to 1. And the day of, we felt like we had a really good chance to, to be candid and, and you know, uh, we, we, we loved Chuck and, and the pattern that, that he was showing on the, on the racing sheets. And, and, um, but, but we're not going to lie, when, when he rose from 30 to 1 to 50 to 1 to 70 to 1 and ultimately left the gate at 94 to 1, you know, that helped ease the nerves a little bit. It was like, all right, well, we got nothing to lose here. Like, nobody's giving us a fight and chance. And when he turned for home, coming around that corner and actually led the race for, for a little bit, it was like mayhem. We, we lost it. We were tossing chairs, screaming at the top of our lungs. And but he, he ultimately finished second in that race. But we knew we had something and we were celebrating like we won, won the Kentucky Derby. It was it was quite the ride. The videos are fabulous. The, 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 the videos are just just fabulous. It's everything I love about sport. It's the work and the belief and the trust and the unity and the camaraderie all spilling out of the results. And then you guys win the Louisiana Derby. How hammered did y'all? Y'all must have been drunk as Cooter Brown, son. We, uh, we were certainly uh... – <laughs> It aligned with our, our company name, Boat Racing LLC. There were some some beers thrown. There were some, I mean, the drinks were flowing. They give them out for free up in the owner's suite. So how are we going to say no? Uh, and then you're in New Orleans to boot. So like, you know, the, the culture and the atmosphere is conducive to having a good time. And it were people that don't take a ton of convincing to get going. So uh yeah, we were, we were having a great time. The call on, on uh, TV, they said, boat racing, party on. And uh, we haven't stopped partying on since Chuck hit the wire at the Louisiana Derby. I love it. You guys have no idea how what kindred spirits you are for Travis and me. Uh, so so let's go back before the, the, the morning of the Louisiana Derby. How, what was the tension level or the anxiety or expectation level going into that race versus the Breeders' Cup, since you knew that Chuck had a shot? I think it, it was it definitely, you know, so let, let's just say Pat probably realized the full gravity of all these situations, you know, having having understood the sport for 20 years and the rest of us having understood it for, you know, really for, you know, two years, but probably really just for two months. Um, hard to fully comprehend what was happening, but, you know, we could do the math and figure out that, okay, you know, a hundred point race, right. For, for the winner. Um, if you get on the board, you got a good shot. You know, we definitely kind of knew that in the, in the back of our minds. I think we've tried to be 
sort of uh, cautiously optimistic, uh, you know, the whole time. And kind of like Pat said, you know, if we lose it all, like we weren't going to have regrets. Um, but hell yeah. I mean, the like the hairs on your neck stand up, you know, when you know you got that kind of chance. So um, we'd be lying if, if we said, you know, we weren't uh, a little extra excited that day. So this is your third horse as a unit, right? How did Correct. the first how did the first two compete and what was the debate to invest in a third? Our first two horses, uh, Tell Me I'm Pretty, it was a filly. She didn't love to run um, and, and ended up getting getting claimed over at a, at a track called Father Park. Our, our other horse, uh, Impossible Task, still running today, doing okay as a, as a four-year-old. And um, he, he got claimed from us as well, but... It, it, for for a bit for a bit bigger chunk of change, um, we we didn't make out like high in the green or anything. But the, those those funds that we got from Impossible Task getting claimed were ultimately the funds that we were able to use towards Hot Rod Charlie. And um, had that not been a, a semi good outcome for us, who knows if we would have you know re-upped it and put in a little bit more capital into our business and, and uh, figured out uh, getting into Hot Rod Charlie. So um, that was ultimately an amazing result for us, uh, just having the, the bank account to be able to you know, get into Hot Rod Charlie. Yeah, well I said, Riley, I think reading the room already too is, let's be honest with ourselves, guys, that was our last shot. You know, we yeah. had these funds and you know, we we're going to say, hey, let's do it on one more horse. None of us, you know, are your typical owner in terms of, you know, the dollars we bring in monthly, annually, or you kind of, uh, you know, our net worth. And so we said, hey, we got one more shot. We want to do it on this horse. And uh, thank God it was Hot Rod Charlie. I read, I read that y'all had to kind of coax Alex into this. Is that accurate? It's not a lie. It's not a lie. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the... The, the words that were being thrown around were this is a no-brainer like that we should we should go for this and I was like well, I can think of 110,000 reasons why we shouldn't buy Hot Rod Charlie like have we have we not learned anything from these first two horses like we lost our ass on one of them and like you know it's it's a fun experience like we've done it we've had two horses uh you know we said we were in it for the adventure like it's been a great adventure but like kind of time to hang them up guys and then you know, we, we kind of slept on it, and it was like, you know what? Let's give it one more go, brand, and let's send it. And, uh, you know, if I thought that the first two horses were a fun adventure, I would never believe what we would have gotten into on the third try if you told me a year and a half ago. Um, you know, what a blessing, and we're super grateful, and, um, you know, we're, we're enjoying every moment of the day. So given that y'all are Ivy League educated, I figure each of you are probably very critical thinkers. Y'all are a lot damn smarter than guys like me. So how much – so, so when it – I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this. Obviously, Alex is looking at this in a rational way, as a rational equation. But owning horses is not always a rational equation. So – what was the message to him to make the irrational rational? Who, who sold him? Well, I think Marty first, 
I would say our professors at Brown probably don't think we're the most critical of thinkers if you ask them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think we just talked to Alex and, you know, Alex is certainly, you know, each and one of our best friends from college and just said, hey, this potentially could be an experience that uh, could be life-changing, right? <laughs> it could be, again, at the 147th Kentucky Derby, but we said, we want you to be a part of it. You know, you're a part of the team and we're not going to do this without you. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of peer pressure, certainly. Uh, but I think if you ask Alex now, he wouldn't, you know, regret it for the world. And, you know, as much as he's the rational guy, just like any team, you need every type of thinker possible. And Alex brings kind of that critical thinking, you know, I'm going to be, you know, devil's advocate guy. And uh, that's what he brings to the table. And that's what makes us such a great team. The fiscally responsible one. I love the fact that you guys are also intelligent. You are athletes, but it was one more beer that sold Alex on investing in this horse that's going to raise. It was straight up peer pressure. One more beer, dude. You got you got one more in you. <laughs> All set. Uh, last thing, and I'll let y'all run. I know you're already up there uh, enjoying your time. I love that you added a philanthropic arm to this experience. Why was it important for you guys to do that? Explain to the listeners what that philanthropic arm is and why it was important to you guys. Yeah, Marty. So my dad, who's obviously Doug and Dennis's older brother, passed away in 2020, uh, or sorry, 2015 of melanoma. And my uncle, who's actually the third boy that doesn't get spoken about enough, Danny, passed away at the age of 38 of melanoma as well. Um, and so my you know, best friends in the world, these guys, you know, knew about that. They met my dad and loved him, had a few beers on at Prov in Providence, Rhode Island. And so when this whole experience has come to light, I think, and I give all the credit in the world to the group here, uh, they said, hey, we have this platform that's unexpected that, you know, candidly, ne not necessarily we deserve. And so let's use this platform to potentially do good. And, you know, with that, the guys got together and said, hey, we're five dudes, but, you know, there's this great um, kind of metaphor of the sixth man, right? In basketball, your sixth man is the person who is gritty, comes off the bench, provides a spark, is kind of the unsung hero. And so we've decided to donate a sixth of our earnings and not just for the Kentucky Derby, but anything going forward uh, to the Melanoma Research Alliance. And it's all been such an amazing experience meeting those individuals from that organization who dedicate their lives to trying to cure such a horrid, you know, disease. And along the process, it's been very, very cool because we found out through, you know, each of our networks that, you know, an individual from, you know, Riley's family, his, his dad's best friend, you know, Mr. Sweet passed away a melanoma. We got an email this morning. Uh, from a random individual to our boat racing LOC, you know, Gmail account saying, hey, my dad just passed away of melanoma within the past year. His name was Charlie and I'm from Louisville. Wow. If you guys need anything, you know, reach out and uh, we'll uh, take care of you. But he's definitely my horse for the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, again, it's just such an amazing experience. The people that we've been able to meet along this ride um, have been so supportive. And so with that, you know, we're five guys who had, you know, fortunate to have had amazing lives and, you know, worked every bit for it. But again, to, to a degree, you know, we want to give back as much as we can, because we know this is a, 
an unbelievable, incredible experience that, again, we don't necessarily, you know, deserve. A couple other things I wanted to discuss with you guys that I think you would have great perspective on, and that is the challenge of being a student athlete. For, for those listening, I, I want you to describe for me what is the commitment necessary to play football and study and succeed in the classroom as a student athlete at an Ivy League school? Yeah, so I, I remember vividly when, when we were getting recruited, you know, coaches basically told us, hey, if you want to be successful as a student athlete, you know, at, at Brown in the Ivy League, you have, uh, you know, three areas that you, you can spend time on over the next four years here. And that's, you know, in the classroom, that's, uh, you know, during football, whether that's in, uh, in, in the film room or in the, in the weight room or on the field. And that's, uh, you know, socially, right? Um, and if you're going to be successful, you know, you can pick two of those areas, two of those three areas. But if you try and pick all three, damn, it's going to be really hard. Um, so that was something that always stood in the back of my mind. And I think, you know, you try and do it all as, as student athletes. And, uh, and, and, you know, that, that's what makes it such an amazing, you know, kind of four years that sets you up for the rest of your life, right? Because you got to prioritize, you know, you're saying, hey, today I can do a couple things really, really well. And then everything else, you know, um, I'm not going to be able to do that today. And so, you know, being a student athlete, I mean, it just, it teaches you how to prioritize what's important to you in your life, um, commitment to a, a greater cause, and, you know, having discipline uh, towards that day in and day out. And so, you know, that's why these guys are, are my best brothers in the world. Um, my best friends in the world is because, you know, we all, we all made those decisions together. We all went through that together. And, you know, that, that's what set us up, I think, to, uh, you know, go on, uh, go on this wild adventure we call life. Thanks so much, fellas. Appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you so much, Marty, for having us. Really, really appreciate it. And we can't wait to see you Friday night as well. And uh, go hot rod Charlie on May 1st. I'm so grateful that those guys took the time. Like, isn't that fun? That Travis, that's awesome that they are leaving Churchill Downs from practice when they call to chat with us on Marty Smith's America. That's awesome. And, and the fact that they've ne- some of them have never been to the Derby before. Now their first time going is to watch their horse. I just can't imagine. Um, look, I, I, I can't describe to you guys who aren't horse racing fans the grains of sand that are those horses and those teams that compete in the Kentucky Derby dominant horses throughout history even this year the 147th Kentucky Derby some of the horses that several weeks back were considered to be favorites heading down the Derby trail won't race for this reason or that reason, they're not ready. They got a little injury. They, uh, they just don't look right. We're going to save them for the Preakness instead. We're going to work a little harder. It's, it's crazy what, what a tiny percentage of horses actually make it to that starting line. And that's, that's the thing is it's hard just to get there. I mean, the odds that you have to, I mean, it's a one-shot deal, but then how many times have you seen a horse get a, like a little cyst and they have to pull the horse out or, you know, just the slightest little injury or 
maybe it's bucking at the gate. So they pull it out and it doesn't race. Like until the gates, until those gates open and the race starts, there's a chance you're like something happens. It's truly remarkable. Um, it's remarkable. And, and for them, I just, that's one reason I find their story to be so, f- so fascinating and interesting because as a guy who loves to spend time with his boys and who loves to feel that camaraderie, especially in the competitive arena, what these guys have pulled off is nothing short of miraculous. And they're young and they're uber intelligent. And I, like, I love, I love that they admit this was our last shot. This was it, man, because it, it ain't cheap, y'all. It ain't cheap to buy a horse. I mean, you know, I think about auto racing and all of the money and the resources and the funding that it takes to go auto racing, but you can run a race car a bunch of times. With horse racing, you get one chance at the Derby. One. They, have, they run in their three-year-old year, and that's it. And you can, with a race car – you can slap just about any damn sponsor on the, the side of the car, you know, a horse it's, you can only market it, you know, a few ways to make money off of it other than just its winnings on the track. I love why they're called boat racing LLC, Travis. Do you know why? I don't. It's a drinking game. It's a drinking game that they played when they were at Brown and as I said to them on the, in the interview, they have no idea what great kindred spirits they are to you and to me. I, I now they, I want to call them up and I want that story. Like, I don't even want to, like, I don't even care about the, the, the horse anymore. Like that's an amazing story. And you're right. Like, you know, we all, everybody has group texts with their friends from either college or high school or what it might be. And the idea of getting together and owning a horse. And if me and my buddies from high school and college, you know, we're uh, smart enough and had the money. Like I can only imagine the shenanigans that we would get into, you know, with the celebrations and everything, if we were in their position. So it, you're right. You can visualize yourself with them. They've invited me on Friday night. I'm going to go spend some time with them at a distillery. And, uh, and I can't wait to, to spend that time with them. We're going to capture a bunch of content for Sports Center and other platforms. My social media, certainly, you guys will be able to see it there. But, and then they're going to join me live on Sports Center at 1045 Saturday morning from the track right outside of turn one and two. And I'm just thrilled that they're letting me walk this week's journey with them because they're great young men. And I just want to say one last thing. I meant what I said about the philanthropic arm. I just think it's so selfless of them, especially at that age, to to have the heart to give back when you've been so blessed. I was not there at 20. Let's see, they graduated. They were 21 or two in 2015. That was six years ago. So they're in their mid to late 20s now. I didn't have that kind of vision at that age. Uh, And it took, honestly, it's interesting, like with the book and and what we've been able to do philanthropically with Never Settle, Patrick Abrahams was really the, the driving force behind even bringing that to my attention. Hey, let's use this and do some good. 
And because it's, as I always say, it ain't a moment, it's a movement. And that's what those guys are doing with Hot Rod Charlie. And I just admire it. I really admire them. And well, can't I mean, wait, can't wait to see them. Think about it. They split their earnings one, you know, five ways before they started this. So not only are they doing good, you know, they're every time Hot Rod Charlie wins, they're taking less to help out other people. Like that's to have that perspective at that age. It's it's amazing. It is. Uh, I commend them. I, I admire them, and I'm grateful for their time. How excited are you to get down there, though? Not only to you know meet these guys, but you know Bob Baffert, Todd, you know Todd Fletcher. Like, how excited are you to get back there? This is a this is a sport that not too long ago was you knew of it, but you never covered it. Now it's kind of a you know you got the Masters, and it's kind of your spring tradition now. It is, and I love it so much. I love the people. Uh, the what I love passion above all else. That's I, I like passion and I like loyalty. And the the beautiful part about about the horse racing industry and the people who live it every day is that passion is undeniable. The energy that they have for their passion is undeniable, and you feel it. And as a parachute reporter in the sport who covers the Triple Crown, they have given me grace and respect and insight and perspective that I did not earn and, and, and don't deserve in a lot of ways. And I've been able to get to know Todd Pletcher pretty well. He has four horses in the Derby this year. That is phenomenal. Um, I've now interviewed Bob Baffert. Enough. I have a wrote a huge piece on Baffert for Sports Center that will debut on Friday because he's the GOAT. He has six Kentucky Derby victories, including last September with Authentic, and he's going for the record. No trainer has ever won seven derbies. He will attempt that on Saturday in the 147th Kentucky Derby. I think his odds are very, very long. It's going to be difficult for him to win this year, but again, when it's the GOAT, you never count them out. He's just, he's the face of the sport. He has that cool shock of white hair. He has those blue shades. I mean, he just looks like, I mean, he's like the coolest looking dude in the world. To me, he's like the Marlboro, it's like a Marlboro man kind of vibe. And no, he doesn't wear a cowboy hat, but it's just like, you just look at him and you go, damn, that dude's cool right there. He's if cool. you had that hair, you wouldn't wear a cowboy hat either. I will have that hair in 15 minutes. You're, uh, well, I because mean, I, I, that's what my hair is going to look like when I'm older. I mean, pull the curtains back when we were at Augusta. I said that you look like a, an aged golden retriever. Yeah, you did. You did. You said you look like a, a an aging golden retriever with the gray hair on the sides of my head, and they're starting to sprout on top too. So I made it longer than Daddy did. By this age, my dad's hair was Bobby Crimmins. So the other uh, couple of things that go with the Derby one are the outfits. What, what's your suit game like? Suit game's tight. Uh, shout out to Alton Lane. As always, they keep me looking fresh. Um, so on Friday is the Kentucky Oaks when the ladies run. And I um, there's a massive, and it's a beautiful thing to witness, y'all. Friday is dedicated to the color pink. 
It's a massive breast cancer awareness initiative that Churchill Downs hosts every year at the Kentucky Oaks Day on Friday at Churchill Downs, the day before the Kentucky Derby. And every year uh, for the last several, of course, we didn't do it last September. We didn't go, but the previous three or four years that I've been a part of covering the Derby, I typically wear a pink shirt, pink accents, pink shoes. So this year, Peyton Jenkins, my boy, who's the founder of Alton Lane, came down to the house, and we were kind of talking through events I had coming up. And the Derby was one of them. And so he brought me this jacket, and it's like a, it's all, it's, it's a, it's almost a purple. It's a fuchsia leaning towards purple. The, the jacket is a grayish, it's a gray and white kind of check, uh, plaidish kind of vibe, checker kind of vibe with these fuchsia leaning towards purple stripes in it. It is bad to the bone. And I'm going to wear that. I'm going to wear pink shoes. I'm going to probably, I have a, I have a pink shirt, but I don't know if the pink shirt works with the jacket. I'm going to have to get Laney's. I'm going to have to get my fashion experts insight on this before I put that in the, in the suitcase. But um, I'm packing the truck up big this week, Travis. I, so Wednesday, as we tape this, it's 845 in the morning on Tuesday, the 27th. Eighth, twenty seventh, seventh, twenty seventh, twenty seventh of April, and so tomorrow I am going down to Clemson. I am spending the next couple of days with Trevor Lawrence ahead of his NFL draft dream, where by all accounts he'll be the number one pick in the NFL draft, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars and head coach Urban Meyer, and that's going to be amazing. But then uh, as soon as I'm done with Trevor on Thursday night from the draft experience, I will hop back in the truck and drive back to Charlotte because I have a 7 a.m. to Louisville first thing Friday morning. Uh, my draft outfit from, again, Alton Lane is on fire. And so that's what I'm planning on wearing uh, Friday, Travis, Okay. Provided it matches, I'll get Peyton. I'll get Peyton and Laney's insight on this. Saturday, I'm bringing all the all the flames, dude. I have a so Peyton made me a red, white, and blue seersucker, dude. It is it is ridiculous, and the and the lining of the jacket is horses racing. Peyton so, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, don't think y'all won't see that on social media Saturday because it's just the coolest, man. Like, I, I am so impressed, I guess, is the right way to say. It's, it's just they do such great work. I'll just say that. They do such great work. I've had a relationship with them for a long time, and the reason I have the relationship is when one of Laney's college roommates works for that company. I would say they – you have usually a vision for kind of what you're thinking and that vision, it comes to light with, I've seen those jackets, you know, up close in person and 
the stitching and the, the inside lining and all the different designs they they really do crush it it's meticulous uh they it's it's meticulous the way that they like they know me so well i mean not only do i have a relationship with the company you know based on wearing their suits but but it's so much more than that um again Emily Turner, who works for Alton Lane, is one of Laney's college roommates, uh, original college roommates. And, and a few years back, they wanted to do a line, and they asked me just for some different inspirations in my life, like things that really mattered to me. And it was things like the fact that my grandfather was the preacher man in Patton's Third Army. It was the fact that uh, my lineage created Jack Daniels, Tennessee whiskey, all those things. And they created these suits. They built these suits, designed these suits around whatever those inspirations were. And I just, when, when I got the line, when it was sent to me, I was blown away. I was like, this is crazy. How beautiful and like just right on the target they were with what was in my mind. And just really grateful for them and their belief in me and, and friendship. They're friends of mine. They're family to me. So, so I can't wait for y'all to see that stuff. I have, and I have, have one more, I have one more question for you. And that is the mint julep. What is your take on it? I've never had it before. It's delicious, I, man. They're dangerous. Uh, I'm a mint guy. I like the taste of mint and I'm a whiskey guy. Uh, in Kentucky, a bourbon, you know, a bourbon guy. Y'all know me. I'm a Jack Daniels guy. Um, Brown Foreman owns Jack Daniels. They are the parent company for Jack Daniels. They also have Old Forester, which is the kind of kind of official bourbon of the Derby. And so Old Forester does. Uh, they, I mean, it's a delicious, delicious bourbon. And so they have stands at the Derby. I did a little, I did a little thing for, I can't remember if it was for sports center or social or whatever, but I had one of the kiosk mint julep technicians. What are you, where artists create, teach me how to make one. And every friend I have, I think was like, that was awesome, dude. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be consuming several. The mint julep, it strikes me as one of those ones where you, you have to have it when you go there and you want to have maybe one more because they're delicious. But if you keep going down that path, it's going to be a long night and even worse morning. I'm definitely going to have a hot rod julep when I get there on Friday to see the boys rabbit hole uh, is a distillery and uh, they are making a hot rod julep for the fellas. Man. Yeah. I know you can't officially root for hot rod Charlie as you know, your objective and reporting, but um I'm officially, that's the horse I'm going to ride with because I don't haven't talked to any other uh, owners or trainers that have a horse in the Derby, so I'm, I'm rolling with the boys at Boat Race. That's right. I love it, dude. And I'm grateful for the boys at Boat Race. I mean, they're like, again, I just think it's so fantastic that they took the time uh, on the morning when they are at work watching their horse do his work with Pat's uncle, Doug O'Neill, two-time Derby winner, as a trainer and one of the greatest sound bites in sports, by the way, can't wait to chat with him, but, uh, it's just, it's just fun. I, I'll never get used to the fact that 
I get to I get to be a part of the Masters. I'll never get used to the fact that I get to be uh, a part of the Kentucky Derby and and cover these events for ESPN. That is just. Well, I remember when you little Marty never would have believed it, man. One of the first times you went there and you you weren't sure where you could stand, and they told you exactly where, and you you were shocked by how close and you're you were on the dirt no doubt uh i was blown away uh to get to watch the race from the track like on it and i'll never forget posting that video a few years ago when justify won that was a wild ride man when justify won the triple crown that year i think it was 18 uh we you could just tell and i remember baffert saying to me he said to me on Thursday before the Kentucky Derby, this horse is like LeBron James. You just have to – you just look at the horse and you see its superiority athletically over the field. And, boy, did he put on a show. I mean, speaking of boat racing people, I mean, to, to witness history – I got to witness history. 13 horses ever have won the Triple Crown, 13. And got to see the 13th. And, and look, I, I, I hope it doesn't – I'm not trying to gloat in any way. It's quite the contrary. It's just humbling that I got to see that. And grateful for it, man. Uh, all right, we'll get out of here on that. Uh, Travis has given me the roll it, roll it, wrap it sign on the Zoom machine. And thank you guys for listening so much. Thank you for caring about Marty Smith's America. I want to tell you all that I see your messages. I see what you're writing. I'm so grateful that in some small way we can uplift you guys and inspire you guys. And they're coming in more often. And that really fills Travis and me up that us goofing around on this podcast and acting the fool and talking about horse racing or basketball or auto racing or football or whatever it is. Life, really. I mean, above all, this is a life podcast, I think. I think it's much less a sports podcast and much more an inspirational podcast. It's like I always say, I say, ESPN is a blessing beyond my wildest dreams, but it is not my purpose. It's a platform for my purpose. And that purpose is kindness, effort, passion, and being a great husband and a, and a great dad as best I can. Thank you all. Have an amazing week. We're so grateful for our law enforcement officials. We're grateful for our firemen, our first responders, and thank you to the United States military, all branches, for sacrificing so that we can be free. Have an amazing day, an amazing week. Enjoy the NFL draft. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby. I sure as hell will. This is Marty Smith's America. See y'all.